This is another Astros podcast. The 0-2 to Bradley. Swing and a miss. Got him on a high fastball, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros take two in a row, defeating the Boston Red Sox tonight by a final of 7-3. Can't say enough about the quality of at-bats for the Astros all night long, keeping pressure on the Red Sox pitchers. And, of course, the Astros pitchers themselves holding down one of the best offensive teams in the game. Joined now by our player of the game, Evan Gaddis, a big two-run home run in the eighth inning. So, first of all, Evan, congratulations on the win and on the home run. I'm going to go back to that at bat. You hit a long foul ball on the fastball the pitch before. Then you get a a slider and hit it out to to left center field. What was kind of going through your mind during that at bat? Uh, You know, um, falling behind 2-0, I got to see both pitches. And, uh, you know, I wanted to really be timed up on the fastball. And, uh, you know, just got the head to it, like kind of let him supply the power. You know, he's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. And, uh, yeah, just touched it with the barrel. And then after that, just – Kind of looked for a cookie, uh, fight off. Uh, I mean, maybe kind of think more right field with the fastball and, uh, you know, accidentally pull a slider. I like the way you say touch it with the barrel. Yeah. Touch it's, it with the barrel and yeah, it's out of here. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, I wish uh, I wish we could get a – I mean, we can't. I just, uh, you know, if you put a, a velocity machine out here in the stadium and see how uh, how little you have to hit the ball and uh, for it to go so far with the guys throwing, you know, 100 miles an hour. So it's, uh, it's good. It's good um, relaxed behind the ball. What's changed for you for the most part, Evan, in the second month of the season compared to the first month? Six homers, 16 RBIs in the month of May. What was the biggest change? Yeah, I've been swinging it well. I think, uh, you know, kind of fine-tuning the practice. And, um, you know, I'm swinging at more off-speed pitches in the zone, which has kind of been a byproduct of uh, doing live at-bats before the game. And, uh and I think it's sticking with the process, man. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, I was going to ride this out um, and not go back to just, you know, getting after it. I wanted to, uh, you know, I want to make an adjustment. I want to be better than I've ever been. And, um, you know, lately it's been good. So I think that matched with, uh, you know, kind of being myself with the, uh, the intensity, uh, like, of the swing. You know, I don't think you can be careful and hit very well, you know. I'm a 250 career hitter. I'd rather make it, make it count. Hey, Evan, thanks so much for joining us. Again, congratulations on the home run and on the team victory. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Springer pops one to left center field. That one's got a chance, and that is gone. Astros lead 3-1 to one on an absolute bomb by George Springer, his 12th of the season. Hit that over that. That Phillips 66 home run pump in deep left center off the community leader signs. Don't see too many people get it there. No. That was absolutely annihilated. That big boy. That big boy territory. That's, I mean, he's he's a big boy, and he can hit the ball in a lot of areas of the ballpark, but that's pretty high up over that that gas you know, the gas tank or whatever. Um, and, you know, just create, he's an energy for, provider for us. You know, I think that um, his, his at-bats were really good. He had the one double play that looked a little ugly, but – um, you know, we, we play pretty well when he plays well. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros hitting coach Dave Hudgens. And we've seen the Astros offense pick it up at home, which has to be encouraging because uh, now you don't have to get all the questions about why this team hits better on the road than they do at home. Yeah, because I didn't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of good hitters, and uh, it's just one of those things. I've seen it before mm-hmm. uh, in various places I've been. 
and it gets into guys' heads a little bit. You know, you don't know. They say they're not trying to pull the ball in the Crawford box and not trying to do too much and trying to stay up the middle, but you don't know if that's subconsciously they might be or not, but it's good to see the last couple of days uh, we've been swinging the bats uh, better here at home. One guy who's been swinging the bat better later is Carlos Correa. Home runs in the last couple of games, two hits yesterday, and uh, had a really good April, struggled in May. What what was Correa struggling with, and, and is he back to where he needs to be? Yeah, I think I think everything was – he always felt really good. His mm-hmm. swing felt good. I just think he was chasing a little bit too much out of the zone, you know, and uh, that happens when guys sometimes chase hits. They want to get hits instead of maybe focusing in on their approach and – getting a good ball to hit they'll start chasing hits and trying to do damage and those kind of things so it's it's one of those things where you just got to get back to being keeping the approach simple get a ball down the middle don't try to do too much hit a single up the middle and that's when guys like Carlos do damage and you talk about having good approaches and, and, and not expanding. We saw that last night against one of the better pitchers in the game and Chris Sale. It seemed like just from a, from plate appearance, one in the game, really uh, strong quality of at-bats throughout that ball game, and it made a difference. Yeah, I think guys had a good idea what they wanted to do. You know, obviously we've seen him before, and I think that helps. Uh, guys knew how basically he was going to pitch him. You know, he throws a lot of soft stuff early in the count, but even first pitches, like, you know, he throws like 30% fastballs. So, you know, we're aware of those things. And guys did a good job of laying off pitches they should lay off and then being ready to hit when they got a pitch they should hit. We've seen Evan Gaddis really turn it on of late. 2-1, and Gaddis drills this one deep to left center field. It sends back Benatendi at the wall, looking up. See you later. A two-run home run for Evan Gaddis. And the Astros' lead grows to seven to three. We've got a breaking ball, low and away, and he hooked it out of here. He went down and got it. What a swing of the bat. Uh, had a home run in yesterday's ball game as well, and you know got off to that slow start, and sometimes it seems like it, it can get in a guy's heads a little bit because they keep seeing their batting average up there when, when you're off to a slow start for the season. That is your season, but we've seen Gaddis really turn it around. Yeah, I remember his first year when he was here. I think he struck out his first eight times at the plate for us. So, I mean, it, it happens, and it starts getting in your head a little bit, and guys yeah. try, start trying to do too much. But the one thing I know Jeff and I have seen with Gaddis is he's been real consistent with his work. He's ju- He was just missing balls. I mean, he was on the barrel, but he was just missing. So, yeah, he's, got, he's really close. And, you know, hope, you know, hopefully he'll keep it up. He's, uh, he's a very talented guy, very strong, obviously, hitter. And, uh, yeah, we need his damage in the middle of the lineup. One guy who's been really impressive finally getting some playing time is Max Stassi. It's obviously the, the longest look he's gotten in the big leagues, even though he's seen time in the big leagues each of the, of the last few years. What has really come together for him? Well, I mean, he's he changed his swing last year. I know Jeff had a lot to do with changing his swing and trying to get on plane a little bit better and try to eliminate some of the early movement that he had. And, and it's taken a while for him, but uh, I think he's really starting to understand what he needs to do as a hitter. And he's he's continually wanting to learn and and comes in and gets his work in. And, and you know, he's finally getting a chance at the big league level. And hopefully that... Uh, it's at the right time for him where, where his swing's coming together along with the opportunity. How great is it for, for you as a hitting coach when you, you see a guy like Stassi who's been grinding, hasn't gotten much of an opportunity, finally gets an opportunity and, and makes the most of it? I don't. There's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, a guy, especially the quality of person that, that Max is, uh, always working hard, always positive, always preparing, trying to trying to get better, trying to help others get better. Uh, and you really, I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to see a guy like him 
start getting the results that uh, he's worked for. Dave Hudgens, Astros hitting coach, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Robert, anytime. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Pitch on the way. Fastball's in there for strike one. 92 on the heater from Johnson. Native of Cocoa Beach, Florida, which at one time was home to Astro Spring Training. It's out there going toward Cape Canaveral. Also, also Major Healy coming from that area. 0-1, breaking ball in there for a strike. Major Healy. Yeah. Good friend of yours? I dream of Jeannie. That was at Cocoa Beach. <laughs> was that in Cocoa Beach? Oh, yeah. That's right. He uh, Wasn't he an astronaut? That's right. Yeah. We'll have more talk on 60s and 70s TV shows in a minute. 0-2. Oh, and Bregman hits it foul and into the seats off to the right. Nothing in two still. I feel like that's your wheelhouse. You do? The 60s and 70s TV shows. Well, I was trying to be clever by not saying Major Nelson. <laughs> that was the obvious. That was the that was the husband, right? That was Larry Hackman. Yep. Bregman ready. Another 0-2. It's outside, one and two. So you watched those shows when they originally were on. I saw them in, in repeats. You saw it on TV land? Maybe we'll hear the theme song from Peter Gunn coming out of the next commercial break. Talking with Stephen Wright, the knuckleball pitcher with the Boston Red Sox. Three shutout innings against the Astros the other night. You started off on the DL. How are you feeling right now, Stephen? Uh, it feels pretty good. Still, you know, getting used to the whole swing of, uh, of a new knee. But, you know, over the last couple uh, months, it's uh, getting better. Got a good training staff. It helps me keep my knee looped up. So it's uh, so far so good. How about this portion of your schedule when you come in to play Houston? These two teams met up in the ALDS last year. A little ramped up as far as the uh, the focus and the the intensity. Do you think? Uh, I think, you know, for us, we always try to prepare, obviously, the same for every team. But, you know, you definitely know coming in, uh, not only, if, you know, from the, obviously, they beat us last year, but we know we're coming in to play a good team. You know, they got, obviously, a great starting rotation. They got a great young lineup that can swing the bat. So we just know that in order for us to, you know, to beat them, we're going to have to be on our game. You know, and I feel like, you know, they know the same thing. You know, they got to come in and they got to make sure they make their pitches. You know, they got to make the defensive plays, you know, and I think that's you know, when two teams are going together. I, you know, uh, one mistake and it can be the difference uh, of the game. Your manager was the Astros bench coach last year, Alex Cora, first year. What's your impressions of Alex as his style starts to kind of transform as a manager? Uh, I love it. I mean, he's definitely a player's manager. He's okay. the type of guy that, you know, definitely, you know, gives you the days off when you need him. He's very uh, open as far as, you know, how he feels about, you know, how you're doing and what you need to work on. Um, you know, for me, it's obviously a little different because I'm a knuckleballer, so there's really not much as far as he can say. But, he, you know, he always lets me know, especially being in the bullpen, if I'm up, if I'm down. Um, you know, and I, from what I hear, guys love him. You know, everything is kind of optional. He kind of lets you go about your business as a professional because everybody knows at this level what you need to do to get ready for the game. Um, and he definitely, you know, gives us that leeway to do so. Hey, Steven, say there's a kid out there that's a high school pitcher, maybe not have enough velocity to play in college or get drafted something like that how is the knuckleball maybe a good avenue for him uh i mean it's definitely two to one and gaddis drills this one deep to left center field and um, sends back benintendi at the wall looking up see you later a two-run home run for evan gaddis and the Astros um, lead you know, wasn't good to seven to three. We've so got a breaking ball uh, blowing away, and he thing, hooked you know, it out of here. He went down and got it. What a swing of the bat. To get drafted, you know, because yeah. teams just aren't, 
looking at knuckleballers like they're looking at guys that are throwing 95 plus, which seems to be like everybody in this league now. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. I think if you learn, if you start messing around at a young age, you know, you always have that in your back pocket. Because I started throwing when I was about nine years old. Did you really? Yeah. So you know, I always had it. I never thought it would ever get me to where I'm at now. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad that I that I messed around with it. You know, and I continuously messed around with it. Uh, all the way up until I started throwing, and I'm still messing around. I'm still learning something new every day with the pitch, because um, it is such a um, unknown, like charted unknown territories. You know, there's only a handful of guys like yourself that have done it and made money in this game doing it. Um, and so it's not that it can't be done. It's just it's just definitely going to be a little bit longer road. But at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how long the road is as long as you yeah. stay on it. <laughs> it's such a tenuous pitch because it can come and go so easily, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the, the ultimate field pitch, you know, yeah. and I think that's the the biggest, uh, you know, battle that guys that do throw it have is when it's not going good is you still got to figure out a way to get the job done, yeah. uh, which can be tough. You know, it's definitely, you know, it depends on if sometimes it, when you have a really good one or the, your worst days, because then it's like, okay, it's a Kick really good, yeah, it's a really good knuckleball. It's fun. It's cool. Everybody's like ooh and on about how much it moves, but it's like the next thing you know, you're three zero yeah. every hitter, and it's like it doesn't matter how much it moves if you can't keep it in the zone. And so it's definitely you know has some you know the ups and downs with the pitch, but you know if you're throwing it for strikes, I mean, it, especially the way the game is now with everybody throwing ninety five plus, yeah. and then you see all of a sudden you see a pitch coming in at seventy five with unpredictable movement like hitters just aren't you know you know their their launch angle is is different like when it, it just doesn't work as well with the knuckleball as, as consistently as it does you know with a fastball i'm curious last thing Stephen wright knuckleballer with boston you came out of college throwing very hard yeah. and you were in the minor league system why weren't you able to get to the major leagues uh i mean i think uh, there's probably a bunch of factors i think you know opportunity um, I just didn't throw hard enough. You know, the Indians were big after my draft year that they wanted guys throwing 95 plus, and I would just hit 95, so I didn't technically throw 95 plus. Um, and I, the biggest thing it comes down to is is I didn't have like a swing and miss pitch. You know, I didn't when, when I got moved from a starter to reliever. You know, you have to have a, if you don't have 99. Um, in the tank, you got to have a swing and miss pitch, and I just that was what I was lacking. And so, you know, when I started, when I the team saw me mess around with the knuckleball, that kind of became my swing and miss pitch. I was using it more of like a split fork ball type thing, uh, two strike type pitch, um, you know. And then it just started getting to the point where I had really good success off of that pitch. That we started talking with the Indians and stuff and trying to figure out, okay, can we, could I make it my primary pitch? And then over, you know, working with uh, with Candy and Charlie Huff and Wake, and you know, through the time through the years, it's like it just kind of evolved into being, you know, my predominantly only pitch. There you go. That's Stephen Wright with the Boston Red Sox. Thanks for catching up. Anytime, dude. The Houston Astros Radio Network. One of the most dominating performances we've ever seen for a Houston Astro. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford, Garrett Cole with a masterpiece. This is the Houston Astros.